You are listening to Words of Jen, where I read to you one piece of my writing in each and every episode. This is Jen, and you are listening to Words of Jen, episode number 25. This is being recorded on November 25th, 2017, as part of Napod Pomo. The piece of writing I'm going to read to you in this episode was one I wrote back in 2003, several years before Napod Pomo started in 2007. Back then, I was toying with the idea of writing a book about my early childhood, but I quickly lost interest in the project after realizing I really didn't have a whole lot of lighthearted stories to share. But I kept what I had finished writing and just sort of left it in a Word doc until now. The piece that you're about to hear is one that has been heavily edited because my writing in 2003 was not the quality it is today, and I just felt the need to fix it before I read it here. The title of this piece is We Eat in Front of the TV Now. For a long time, it was important to my dad that we eat at the table like a normal family. I was about five years old. My sister was three. My brother was one. My youngest brother did not exist yet, and it was the late 1970s. Dinner usually consisted of some kind of meat, some kind of veggie, and a glass of milk. The details varied, but that's about what it all broke down to. No matter what it was, my dad was not really happy about it. Something was always too cold. This was probably because it takes a long time to get a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old to all sit down at the table and eat at the same time. Meat was always a scary proposition when it came from my mom's kitchen. Sometimes my mom would forget to take it out of the freezer that day, and it wouldn't be thawed out all the way when she decided to start cooking it. If you have never tried to do this, two things tend to happen. If the meat was a chunk of ice when she started cooking it, the outside would end up a charred black while the inside was still kind of raw or made up of little chunks of ice. If the meat was a little thawed but not quite done thawing, it would end up looking more or less like it was supposed to when she was done cooking it, but it would taste a lot like chewy cardboard. This was long before we had a microwave oven that might have helped save us from this mess. This was not the only problem with the meat from my mom's kitchen. Sometimes when my parents were done grocery shopping, my mom would put some meat into the refrigerator instead of the freezer, thinking she would use it for dinner that night. Then she would promptly forget about it. If I happened to be in the kitchen when she started to fix dinner, she would hold up some meat and ask, Does this smell okay? Or can you see a date on this? My mom was a woman blessed with neither good eyesight nor a good sense of smell. Fortunately, I could read, and I would make her throw away everything that wasn't from the night before. I also developed a talent for determining when food would go bad by the smell. Sometimes I wasn't so lucky, and she would fix dinner before I could stop her. 
I have had food poisoning more times than I can count. If all went well, we would have edible meat at dinner that night. Again, my mom had limited vision, so she simply cooked things until it matches the bottom of the pan. All meat was burned to a crisp on the outside. I learned to really like ketchup on everything. So, we would be eating dinner at the table, and my dad would be complaining about whatever was cold, or about the still-frozen meat. My sister and brother were extremely picky about what they would eat, and they both hated meat. My mom would cut food into tiny pieces for my brother and sister, and then the games would begin. Both sides would start negotiations about just how much meat had to be eaten before permission to leave the table would be granted. My sister and brother would ask for lots of mashed potatoes, which they would hide the little pieces of meat underneath. It was a pretty well-thought-out plan for preschoolers. It gave the illusion that they actually had eaten the agreed-upon number of pieces of meat. They got to eat their fill of mashed potatoes and leave the table. My parents were never the wiser about their trick. This worked until one day there was something really good on TV. We were all rushing to get done eating so we could leave the kitchen and watch whatever show was coming on. When dinner was done, my dad, unexpectedly, decided to help my mom clear the leftovers from the plates into the garbage. That is when he discovered the hidden meat, and that was the end of that trick. The next strategy my sister came up with was more complex than the first one. We could not leave the table until we had eaten enough food to make my dad happy. But we could leave to go to the bathroom. Eventually, my sister would finish the food that she actually liked to eat. She would then stuff her cheeks with the little pieces of meat that my mom cut up for her, and ask if she could go to the bathroom. She had chipmunk cheeks, which hid the food quite nicely, and she always talked in a quiet voice. My parents were unaware that she was up to something. My sister would be granted permission to leave the table. Later we would hear the toilet flush, and my sister would return to the table with a smile on her face. None of us were aware at the time that she was going up to the bathroom, spitting out the food she didn't like, and then flushing. My dad was of the impression that my brother and sister were eating all the meat he had requested. He started increasing the required number of pieces of meat they had to eat before they could leave the table. My sister solved this problem by asking to go to the bathroom not once, but twice during dinner. My brother was too little to be fully potty trained, so everyone was surprised when he asked to go potty. My mom stood up to go with him, but he said no. He returned and forgot to flush, so my mom got up to take care of that. She discovered that my brother had spit the little pieces of meat into the toilet and deduced that he had learned it from my sister. After that, none of us were allowed to leave the table during dinner without having a parent check our mouths for food first. My sister and brother now felt like they were in this together. One night, they insisted to sit in different chairs than they had before. 
This put my sister and brother at the longer ends of the table. My parents didn't care where they sat as long as they were eating. This became our new seating arrangement for several dinners. My dad commented to my mom that it seemed like my sister and brother ate more food when they got to sit where they wanted to. The two of them often had clean plates before they asked to leave the table, and they stopped negotiating about the number of little pieces of meat they were required to eat. My mom guessed that the two of them had outgrown that phase. One day, someone accidentally kicked the table. We all heard the sounds of small things hitting the floor, but didn't know why. My sister and brother got really quiet and still. One look at the floor, and their secret plan was blown. The long sides of the table had ledges underneath that no one knew about except them. Each had been putting the food they didn't want to eat on those ledges. My dad, disgusted by this discovery, started yelling at my sister and brother. He demanded they pick up the food and throw it away, and he left the kitchen. I couldn't stop laughing after I put together what had happened. This bizarre situation was hysterically funny to five-year-old me. The next night, we started eating dinner in front of the TV in the living room. And that brings us to the end of this piece titled, We Eat in Front of the TV Now. If you would like to hear me read more pieces of my writing to you, you can find more episodes of Words of Jen at bookofjen.net. <laughs>